big thank you to Pastor Ben last week for bringing the Word of God to us and imploring us and exhorting us to remove the masks from our lives, to live in, I guess we'd call it transparency. Uh, here's what I do not like about the church. I mean, I love the church. Jesus loves his church, so I love his church too. But we, we get a hold of something and we overuse it, whether it be a word, uh, a song, a type of teaching, a type of preaching. And transparency is one of those words. Uh, if you go, if you just Google that word in Christian ministry, you'll just find tons of teaching on it. Um, when we teach on transparency, what we're trying to convey is that it's just us. There's no facade. There's no mask. You know, what you see is what you get. Um, there's an old adage that you don't hang your, uh, you don't hang up your underwear in the front lawn. What that means is you don't go and air out all your dirty laundry to the world, but we're not trying to hide ourselves either. We're not ashamed of, of where we're at. You know, we realize that God is doing something in our lives, and we're a little better than we were yesterday, but man, we got a long way to go. So I want to encourage you to, um, if you didn't hear Ben's message last week, please go back to it and listen to it again. It was a very good word. With that being said, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this, I will take my stand at my watch, uh, at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning uh, my complaint. Uh, Pastor Ben said something about hope this morning. Habakkuk's hope has been changed. His hope is so firmly rooted in the Lord that he has said, you know what? Whatever the Lord has for me, whatever his answer is, it will be good. It may not look good to me, uh, it may be a discipline that I don't want to bear, but it will be for my good and my hope is in the Lord. Today, church, we don't know what the world holds for us, do we? I mean, we wake up and there's hailstorms in the Midwest and flooding in Texas and earthquakes around the world and ISIS is taking over uh, cities and, 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 and areas and beheading Christians and uh, – People are, are being celebrated for sin and being exalted for doing what is wrong in the eyes of God. And, and people are just – the worst thing, the thing that's worse than all of that, people are growing indifferent to God. And in Revelation, Jesus talks to a church in a place called Laodicea. And he's upset with them, but not because, not because they're cold. And he, certainly if they were hot, he wouldn't have been – wouldn't have been uh, mad at them for that. He's mad at them because they're lukewarm. They're eh, just kind of eh. Like, just, sure, Jesus is great. Sure, the world is great. I got I, I got one foot here and one foot there, and I'm just kind of vacillating back and forth. I'm not really I'm not really excited for either one. And Jesus said, yeah, "I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth. I'm ready to just get. I'm just ready to purge you from 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 everything. You're you're." You're wishy-washy. You're just – pick a lane and go with it. If you're going to be cold, be cold so I can deal with you there or, or be on fire for Jesus. Be one or the other, but don't don't sit in the middle and just, eh, it's church again. Eh, it's my Bible again. Eh, it's constant life of meh. Just – if that's you today, I hope that you hear this message and realize, okay, that's not the life – that's not the abundant life that Jesus died for so that I can just go meh. 
The life that Jesus died for is, is a life that he's given to you, that you have inherited from him, not by your own works that any man should boast, but he has given it to you as a gift so that you might live in such a way that the rest of the world will see the gospel played out in front of them. Not put on, not as a mask, because putting on the mask of the gospel is as bad as having a mask that everything's fine. But realizing that I, I'm in this... I am in this lifelong journey with the gospel. And it's going to take me places I don't want to go, and it's going to take me places that I could never have went to. But the gospel will lead me to a life that, that is without compare, without comparison. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk is ready to hear from the Lord. His heart has been prepared. Sometimes we go to the Lord and we ask questions, and we're just not ready for the answer. And I, and I can't judge your heart in that. That's, that's literally, that's, that's God's call there because he knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows at what stage you are in your development, whether you're a, a spiritual baby or toddler or child, teenager, what have you. He knows what you're ready for, and he won't move you someplace that you're not ready for. In Jeremiah, I believe it's in chapter 12, Jeremiah is ready to just get going. He's a prophet. He's been, he's been proclaiming the gospel to the Israelites, and they're just not hearing it. And he tells God, God, just get rid of them. And God's response is, you're not ready to move forward. See, Jeremiah just wants to get on with it and move forward. And God says, if you're growing tired running with men, how will you run with horses? He uses this metaphor. If, if, if you're being outrun by men, what good is it for me to put you with horses to run? They'll trample you. You'll be left behind. You won't compete. It won't even be a contest. If you're not ready now, what makes you think you'll be ready then? Church, if you're not ready for maybe these grand desires of your heart, maybe, you're, maybe your desire is revival. If your grand desire is revival, and, and trust me, I would like revival as much as anybody, you first have to realize that you are dead. Revival means reviving, which means something has died. If your faith has died, if your, if your walk with Christ has died, and, and now you're saying, I need revival, you need to recognize first that you are dead. Be honest with yourself. So many problems that we have as Christians could be solved I don't want to say uh, perfectly, but at least faster if we were just more honest with ourselves. If we would just take an inward look and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not as great as I think I might be. I'm not as, as much of a gift to the world as I think that I am. Not in a Eeyore, woe is me, nobody likes me type of a way, but just a good, healthy dose of low self-esteem. Just, man, I really need Jesus today. I need him. I need him to get this done. I don't have enough. This was me just not 20 minutes ago during worship. Jesus, I, 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 it's not like, oh, I can't do this. It's just, Jesus, I need you to do this, man. I, I, this message today, that's got to come from you. Your people, I could preach till I'm blue in the face, but if your people aren't, aren't raw and open and, and ready to be exposed to your gospel, this is just words. They're just going to go out and there'll be nothing. If we would just be honest with ourselves and realize I need Jesus in all facets of my life. And maybe you don't even have the specifics, just in general. Jesus, we need you today. When, when the prophets of old would go to the, the, the Israelites, they would go and they would tell them to repent, turn back towards God. 
And some of you might be saying, I, I'm not turned away from God. Well, that's not the same as being turned towards God. We must have our eyes focused on Jesus all of the time. No matter what our circumstance, no matter what our decision, no matter what we're trying to do, our eyes are on Jesus. How do we best please him? How do we most glorify him? In that is the only place that you will find complete satisfaction. Everything else will fall short. Eh, it feels good, but not great. It got something done, but really, does that have any eternal value? On Wednesday, we talked about how God has given us children to steward. And for some of us, that means that we're parents. For some of you, that means your aunts and uncles, or maybe you're here at the church and, and you see the kids and, and, and you are called to steward them. And what does that mean for you who don't have children, but yet you see kids here at the church? That means you lift up their parents. You pray for them. You realize that when their child makes a noise, they're mortified. And somehow you want to comfort them so that they might know, man, the church doesn't want to take me out and uh, put me someplace else, that they love me and that they care for me and my children. And we're not giving anybody free license to run around and start smacking anybody. I mean, kids smacking people, running around, knocking them over. But it's that we're, we're stewarding the children and we're stewarding uh, their parents by praying for them. Giving them a comforting word. Not the, not the glare. Not the, gosh, I wish your kids would be quiet glare, you know. It's the, oh, man, you know, I remember when I had kids. Oh, that was tough. Praise God you're bringing your children, exposing them to the gospel. How can I help? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Can I get you a cup of tea? Can I get you something that Vi put out? Could, just have a seat. You chase the child. I'll get you something. This is a way that we can steward children. And as stewards of children, kind of a tangent here, uh, nothing to do with our message this morning, but these are the types of things that we're laying down so that we are focused on Jesus. Many of you are uh, familiar with uh, Mr. Bruce Jenner and his choices this week, and, and it, unless you've been living in, under a rock somewhere, you haven't heard about what he's decided to do, um, it's very easy, isn't it, to sit on our on our very, very high horse and look down upon a man like that and to join in with the millions of people on Facebook and social media and just condemn a man who obviously is not only in sin but is hurting very badly. Imagine, imagine your deepest pain, your greatest fear, and everybody knows about it and they're all fighting against you. I'm not talking about compromising our faith. I'm not talking about saying that sin is okay and that uh, what is bad is good. What I'm saying is is that if we all looked upon this, all sin in the same way, nobody would ever get saved because we'd always judge, say you're not worthy, that's unforgivable, and move about our day, all the while expecting our sin to be forgiven. Church, we're called to be uh, to hold each other accountable. That means if I, if I think that you're in sin and vice versa, that I can call you out on that. And you're allowed to get mad, but you have to face that challenge. If you're bitter and the, your heart is hard and you waste your money and you are mean to other people and you don't read your Bible and you don't come to church, then we're going to hold you accountable to that. One of, the, one of the things that keeps me from sinning is just knowing that there are five or six people that if I were to do something, they would call me and say, what are you doing? And I'd be, oh, uh, 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 and then they'd say, no, you, you can't do that. And that's just, one, that's just one way that I can stay accountable and keep from sin, is knowing that I have people who love me. Now, in that moment when they call me out, I might not say, oh, you're real loving. 
I might say it like that, all sarcastic and such. But I'll know eventually, man, they did that because they love me. They came in a, in a compassionate, loving, kind, uh, just, just in the way of, that Jesus would. It's not wrong to call sin, sin. It's actually quite compassionate and loving to call sin, sin. If you were to allow, if somebody come to you and say, hey, is this sinful? You say, well, I try to be tolerant and uh, you know, everyone has their own choice and uh, other things I'm going to say to kind of push you off so we don't have to deal with this very confrontational issue. That's not very loving. That's not very kind. Now, to condemn them and hit them over the head with your Bible, that's equally unkind. But to take them and say, you know what? Since you've asked, let's talk about this. Let me Let me show you what the Bible says. It's not what I think. It's not what I believe. And, and you do really have the freedom to make your own choice. But here's what the Word of God says. And I love you and I want to see you uh, healed and, 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 and restored. And I just want to see you enjoy the life God's given you. And I don't think I can do that if I let you go on sinning like this. And, and whatever your choice might be, I love you. Whether you choose left or right, A or B, I love you. We as the church love you. You know, since uh, Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner has come out and a lot of articles and blogs and things like that, watching videos, you start realizing there are a lot of folks who are caught up in sexual sin that are deathly afraid to come into the church for fear of condemnation, for fear of judgment. And if we can, if we can keep our sin, sin, and realize that my sin's no better than your sin, that your sin's no greater than my sin, that we all come into this place desperately needing a Savior, that we all need Jesus, that we can keep things on a level playing field, we can keep from being exalted above other people and feeling good about ourselves because we don't sin like they do. But we can say, you know what, your sin, my sin, we all suck. Let's just, let's just go worship Jesus. Let's just raise our hands, ask for forgiveness, have him correct us and rebuke us, and have him encourage us and love us. What did Jesus tell Mary when, when the adulterers came, or when the, uh, <laughs> when the Pharisees came, they wanted to stone her for adultery? Was she guilty of adultery? Yes. And, and is that a sin? Yes. And Jesus said, you without sin cast the first stone. They all left, and they were all gone. And then he reaches down to Mary, and what's he tell her? Go and sin no more. It's okay to call sin, sin, as long as you – It's okay. this is the way I, I've heard a pastor put it. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's okay to tell people that they might be going to hell as long as you don't have a smile on your face when you say it. If it doesn't look like you're getting a lot of joy from saying that, it's okay to warn people that is sin. It leads to hell and separation from God for eternity. And we want to keep you back over here, not down over there. So in all that, going back to our sermon today, this is all faith. And that's our, that's our sermon title, Living by Faith. We're called to live a life that is built upon faith. If, you've, if you're building a, a house and you've got a foundation, this is upon everything that it's built upon, faith in Christ. But we, we sometimes simply say faith in and of itself is enough. The world exercises faith, don't they? A lot of people had faith yesterday that American Pharaoh would win the triple, triple crown. I don't know anything about horse racing. 
But I know every year, right about this time, you get the Kentucky, Der Kentucky Derby, then the second one, and then yesterday, whatever they're called, and, and people are like, yeah, let's triple crown, and people are all ecstatic, and who cares? A lot of people had faith that their number would be the, you know, their bet would be the winning bet. A lot of people had faith that finally after 37 years, somebody would win these three races in a row. That's not the same faith the Bible calls us to. That's not the faith that Jesus is, is, is commanding us to have. That's not the faith that, that the Holy Spirit is gifting us to have. The faith that the Bible calls us to, that the Holy Spirit fills us to have, is a faith in Christ and in Christ alone. So what I want to do today is kind of give you a, a test to realize, is my faith real faith, biblical faith, or is my faith just simply uh, a hope that things turn out okay? Because one leads you into all kinds of craziness, and the other one stays solid. You stay solid in Christ. So Habakkuk hears from God. Verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits at its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Verse 4, this is our verse for the day. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Church, you are called to live by faith. If you looked up the word faith in the Bible and found, found every instance, you would be reading uh, from here until next week easily. Every verse, every paragraph, every chapter that mentions faith, the subject is faith, we are being commanded to have faith. Hebrews chapter chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, that is Jesus. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Let that one kind of just soak in for a minute because many of us, we just, we just desperately want to please God. We just don't want to mess up. We want to, we want to stay on the right path, and we try so hard that we just keep falling down. And the Bible says that if you have not faith, then you're not pleasing him. It is impossible. But all things are possible with God, not pleasing him without faith. For man, not all things are possible. For God, nothing. You know, all things are possible. But with you... You need to keep faith in Jesus. You need to walk that line, follow after him, faith in him, to please him. James 1 and 3 says that God tests our faith so that we might uh, build up endurance and be able to, to persevere. Many of you are like, I don't know why I'm going through this trial. And it's just, God's just building up your endurance, man. God's just making you stronger. Yeah, but it hurts. Yeah, getting stronger hurts. It does. In every aspect, in every walk of life, getting stronger hurts whether it's playing guitar how many here can can play guitar a couple of you okay it hurts at first right when you have no calluses on your finger like it takes a while to build those up and you're like ow and your hand can't make the right shape and you're like i can't make an f chord and you're like ah oh, that hurts then you play for a while months maybe even years and you're like oh yeah you got all the muscle memory and the calluses and you're you know next thing you know you can play almost anything it hurts Get a new job that's different than your last job? You think, oh, I can handle this. Like, no, they want you to do all kinds of new stuff you've never done before. Hurts. The Bible says that Jesus tests our faith. He doesn't tempt us, but he tests us so that we might continue to build up endurance, that we might be able to, to persevere as things get harder and harder. If we believe that the world is on a slow downward slope, 
where things are getting worse and worse and worse, we're going to need to be stronger and stronger and stronger. And so Jesus takes care of that. Galatians 5 and 22 says that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, there's love and, and, and all the other ones, and faith is one of them. I should probably memorize that someday. There are five-year-olds who can memorize that, but not Pastor Tony. But faith is a byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3 and 26 says, says that we are children of God by faith. Not just, I hope I'm a child of God. I believe in Jesus. That's what makes me a child of God. Despite what other religions might say, they lie when they say that we are all children of God simply because we were born. It's not true. The Bible says we're born dead. We're born spiritually dead. And as we are born again, then we become the children of God. That is when you become a child of God. That is when you have the, the privilege and the honor to say, yes, this is my title, but not by what I've done. I simply have placed my faith in Jesus. Romans 5 says that we are justified by faith. That means that, that when we stand before God, our faith in Christ is what justifies us. Just as if we never sinned. Just as if we never did the things of our past that, that bring shame to our minds and that, that we're afraid people are going to find out about. Before God, with faith in Jesus, those things are, are, are forgotten. Those things, and as much as man might remember, God has forgotten them for your benefit because you have placed faith in his son. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. I, I love, one of the reasons why I love my position here as pastor is not because God chose me because I was so perfect. Because if that were the case, I would have been fired a long time ago. God chose me, and we together are on the same playing field. Your sin, my sin, we are all separated from God, and we are all reconciled to him through faith. Not by our own actions, not by our own, hey, Jesus, I, got, I did this, and I did that, and I gave this, and I served here. No, we, have, we, have our, we put our faith in Jesus, and we become children of God, and we receive the grace of God, and, and we are forgiven. Bible calls that a gift. It's you don't earn gifts, right? If you earn something, it's a wage. But a gift is just given to you. Can you imagine? Maybe some of you have been through this, but can you imagine getting to your birthday and having no gifts and people saying, "Well, you didn't earn it." Birthdays are weird. We give people gifts simply for being born. They had nothing to do with it. My son has a birthday coming up this this week sometime. I think Thursday. He didn't choose to be born. He didn't. Say, hey guys, it's time. You know, we had a child. It was my, mine and my wife's decision and the Lord's blessing. And now we give him gifts for being born. Imagine if we turned and said, hey, you didn't earn your gifts. Go back and mow the lawn or do something to earn these gifts we got you. You want these Legos? Go wash my car. It was just, that's not a gift. That's a wage. The Bible says that the grace of God is a gift. That salvation is a gift. It's something given to us that we have not earned. So we have to know what biblical faith is so that that's our faith. <laughs> no, that's okay. Babies always steal the show. We have to have biblical faith, not faith like the world. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is like 
the benchmark when it comes to faith and what faith means. And we're going to read the whole chapter because, well, by golly, it's a beautiful day and I only got you for so long. And I'm going to turn there too. We're going to see who wins. I can't find it. If you hit John, you went too far. Hebrews chapter 11, verse, oh, we'll start in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith he died, uh, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever uh, would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, and you should be seeing that, that re recurring theme, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went, in, uh, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designers and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Let me give you, just let me stop right there for just a moment uh, in regards to Sarah. Um, when she first heard that she was going to have a baby, she laughed. And you might have too if you were 90 years old. She was 90, and she was being told, you're going to have a baby. So she chuckled. It was one of those, like, it came out so fast. Oh, I didn't mean to chuckle. Because this was no divine intervention pregnancy. This was Abraham and Isaac at 190 year, and 100 years old and 90 years old, respectively, were going to have to have a baby just like the people who were in their 20s and 30s. And so she laughed. And so know this, sometimes faith is not instantaneous. Her faith was not instantaneous, but in the history, how it's remembered by God, that she eventually put her faith in God, in the one who said that she would conceive. So faith is not a magic switch that we just turn on sometimes, in case that's what you were thinking. Verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it is said through isaac shall your offspring be named he considered that god was able to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking he did receive him back by faith isaac invoked future blessings on jacob and esau by faith jacob when dying blessed each of his son uh, each of the sons of joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff by faith joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the israelites and gave directions concerning his bones by faith moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful like most parents would probably say that too and they were not afraid of the king's edict by faith moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of god than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of christ greater wealth uh, than the treasures of egypt for he was looking to the reward by faith he left egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who was invisible by faith he kept the passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them by faith the people crossed the red sea on as on dry land but the egyptians when they attempted to do the same were drowned by faith the walls of jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by faith rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they went they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves in the earth and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since god had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect now Praise God, you guys hung in there for that whole chapter. What's the point of that? By faith, these people did a lot of great things, didn't they? I mean, they've done stuff that if we were to just do one of those things, we'd feel pretty good about ourselves. The common teaching is that if you just want something, just have faith in it. Just have faith. Hey, you want that car? Just have faith. Hey, you want that healing? Just have faith. Hey, you want that job? Just have faith. You want that spouse? You want those kids? You want that thing? Just have faith. The Bible tells us that these men and these women did these things and did not receive everything, though they had great faith, faith that, that would be commended for eternity through God's word. Faith is not about just getting what you want. Faith is about putting your trust and belief in Jesus. That is biblical faith today. Putting your faith, your belief, your hope, your trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Verse 12, and we're only going to read a couple verses, don't get scared. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. By faith, we are called to live for Jesus. 
every day. And we may not be Gideon or Samson or David or Solomon, but we have a job, we have a calling, we have a, a path that God has called for us to walk. And we will only do so by putting every, all of our eggs into his basket. The best analogy or metaphor I can, I can use for faith and what faith means is, is if, if Jesus were standing here and if I were leaning upon him, I'd be leaning so heavily on him that should he move, I would fall. If I'm only leaning so far but I'm protecting myself in case he moves, that's not faith. Faith says, Jesus, you have all of me, and should you drop me, I'm in trouble. The good news is he will not drop you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. How do we get this faith? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. One of you, 10 points for whoever just said that. There's no prize, but whatever. <laughs> Romans 10 and 14 says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How is anybody going to believe in Jesus if they have not heard about Jesus, if they have not heard the gospel? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Your faith is increased by hearing the gospel. By hearing, this, this is why I spend so much time on a Sunday morning preaching. You know, like Tony's preaching for an hour again. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing defined the word of Christ. I have maybe an hour with you every Sunday, should you show up on a Sunday. And you guys are here, so I, I'm not like getting after you guys or anything. But should you show up, there's an hour out of the 160 plus hours of this week in which to preach to you the gospel. And my hope is that you go home and you open your Bible and you pray and you read with your spouses and children and you pray with your spouses and children, but I have no guarantee that that's going to happen. So I have one hour at most in which to preach the gospel to you like a cannon just exploding upon you, hoping that the Holy Spirit does his work in and through you so that in this week to come, you're not just uh, surviving, but you're actually living out the plan that God has for you. You're exalting him in your life. You're living for Christ each and every day, and you're, you're, you're fighting, but you're seeing victory as well. You're not just you're not just suffering and in anguish and lamenting. You are you are seeing Christ and what is happening in your life, and you're putting your faith in Christ. You know what, Pastor Tony? Things hurt right now, but my faith is in Christ. He's bringing me through this, and I know at the end of this, I'm going to be stronger than I once was. You see, when 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 you put your faith in Christ and you have that mindset, Satan can do nothing to you. I mean, he can, but but what can he take from you at that point? You've given everything to Jesus, and the world can do nothing to you, and, and your flesh can be tempted by no sin because you've given everything to Jesus, and that's the battle, is giving that back over to Christ. The righteous shall live by his or her faith, and our faith is increased by Bible studies and preaching and hearing the word of God and books about Jesus and, and just filling ourselves up that's how our faith is built up. 
Pastor Tony, my faith is very weak. Then you need to hear the gospel again. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That we could all be set free and liberated from the chains and bondage of sin and death. So that we might live free. That we might even spin that around to become like Paul or, or, or Jude or, or the different apostles that wrote the books of the Bible and say, I'm now a bondservant of Christ. I'm now a, I'm now a, a doulos. I'm a, a willing slave to Christ. I've given my life over to him. I belong to him now. And he will lead me beside still waters and to the green grass. And he'll correct me, but he loves me and, and he will lead me. And all the places he's going to lead me are going to be good. And he'll, and he'll tell me to stay away from this. And he'll tell me that this is good for me and I will trust him. See, biblical faith is not just, eh. Biblical faith is, I, 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 have, I have decided to follow Jesus. Not Jesus in this, not Jesus in that, not my form of Jesus, but what the Bible says about who Jesus is. The enemy of faith is pride. The New Living Translation of, uh, Hab of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says, Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Have you ever measured something with a crooked ruler? You could use the ruler right all day long. Or, or a messed up level where the bubble's a little off. Nothing comes out straight. The Bible says that's what a prideful person's like. They're trusting in their own crooked level or their own crooked ruler. A prideful person looks inward and says, yeah, I could do all this. Using wrong measurements, using the wrong instruments. Saying, yeah, I got this. Psalm 10, if you read Psalm 10, it's all about how, how it's much like Habakkuk's questions. David is, is saying, why are the evil prospering? Here's what they're like. They're, they're wicked and they're evil. They're, they're, they're trusting in themselves. They're saying things like, there is no God. And, and, and they're saying things like, well, if there is a God, he doesn't see what I'm doing. Prideful, crooked, because they're looking inward. Don't look inward. Look at Jesus. He'll confront your pride. If you think you have no pride, trust me, it's in there somewhere, and Jesus will find it for you. He will confront you with it and say, that's where it is. See what that? See that right there? That's pride, friend. It's time to crucify that. Pride directly attacks faith because faith is the absence of pride. It's saying, I can't do these things. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. But Jesus is. And today, that's the faith that we're being called to. Pride removes the need for a Savior. Pride removes and turns away from Jesus. And pride always demands. Pride always demands that everybody do something, that everybody give, that everybody, everybody uh, sacrifice but you. Pride says, everybody's got to change. I'm okay. I'm perfect. That's pride. That's foolishness. That's arrogance. The Bible's very, very clear that that ends in, that ends in a judgment that leads to eternal death. And so what we have to be busy doing is crucifying pride so that our faith might flourish. Let's all stand. I want to encourage you 
to continue to read the book of Habakkuk. Uh, read the Psalms. That's kind of where I found myself lately. Um, the Psalms are full of a lot of parallels that Habakkuk was going through. You see a lot of the same understandings, a lot of the same mindsets, and a lot of the same answers because they're praying to the same God. But today, our faith is not just hoping for the best. Our faith is, Jesus, lead me. Lead, Jesus, guide me. Jesus, here is all of me. I now live for you. It's book of Hebrews chapter 11. That's how these men got stuff done. That's how Noah built the ark. That's how Abel gave his sacrifice. That's how Moses led the people out of Egypt. That's how Jesus went to the cross. That's how you and I are children of God. Honesty time. Eyes open, no heads bowed, none of that heads up, seven up stuff. Who needs help with their faith today? Everybody. Yeah, come on. That's a, that's a no-brainer. So I want to pray for you. I want us to pray together that we would begin to exercise faith in a way that is different. And if you're saying to yourself, I thought I was, then just go to Jesus. Say, Jesus, is there some place where I'm not exercising faith? And if the Bible is true, which it is, and he speaks to us, which he does, he will show you somehow, he will confront you in some way to show you where you are holding back. And then you will pray, Lord, increase my faith. Jesus, we love you. Um, None of us here, should you give us some type of test or online quiz, we would, um, we would fail miserably, the, the faith test. But Lord, today what we're asking is that you would increase our faith, that you would help our unbelief, that you would help us to, to not see you through our past experiences, to not see you through our past pain, but to see you through the Bible. To see that you're a God who loves and cares and is kind and is, and is gentle with your people. That you're a God who, who keeps us and corrects us and even rebukes us when we need it. But you do it out of love and you do it because you care for us. And Father, as this week and even as this evening goes on, may you open our eyes to ourselves. Not that we'd be so in inward focused that we become selfish or self-centered, but that we'd be honest with ourselves. That we'd see where, where we constantly are taking up these problems or taking up these things that we, we think that we're laying down at your feet. Father, we pray together as a church. We want to have faith that pleases you. Your word says that without it, you're not pleased. Father, help us to have that faith, that trust, that belief in you. Test us and try us and Give us, give us opportunity to grow in our faith. And Jesus, before I end, if there's, if there's people who haven't, haven't ever given any faith, have never put their faith in you at all, then I pray today would be the day of their salvation. That today would be the day that they give their lives to you. Whether, whether they've been walking, quote-unquote, with you for years or been coming to church for years, or whether maybe today's the first day. May today be the day of their faith. The faith that trusts you with their past, with their present, and their future. That trusts you to, to wipe clean the sin of their past, to lay down a path for them in which they could go until they meet you one day. Jesus, we love you. 
I'm thankful that, that all of this power and strength is not my own. It's all up to you and what you can do. So Jesus, I'm praying that you would just do the work that you've promised to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.